0: All right. If you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to wrap up Matthew chapter 5 uh, next week, but this is a, a part of Jesus' bigger Sermon on the Mount. I always kind of want us to, to bring us back to that, that. This section that we're looking at is just a piece in Jesus' sermon. So as we get into this, let us, uh, we're going to pray our prayer together that's on your guys' song sheet, and then I'll read the Scriptures, and then we'll, we'll kind of just dive into it. So please pray this with me. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and to live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. And this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from, from you. Now, as we get into this, there's many sections in this Sermon on the Mount that are just paramount, like, famous teachings of Jesus. And this is one of them. This is one of those things, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We've heard this, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also your other We've heard this um, not only in churches, but also in our culture, haven't we? Isn't this what Christians are to be about? And this is one of the most famous teachings of Jesus, but it's also one of the most difficult to actually live out. When Jesus said in in the Beatitudes, when he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He is now giving us a picture of what it means to be meek. He, he, this is what meekness looks like this is what the kingdom of God looks like when it is actually lived out and I believe that those who call this a radical way I believe that to be a very good word for this this is a radical way that Jesus is living out for us not only do we get to not get back at folks we don't get to just pay them back we don't even get to resist them when the wrong is being done to us in case it's hard to believe, right? Because this is hard, right? This is, a hard, this is a hard word that Jesus gives. Jesus also left us with an example. He left us the example of his life and his death and his resurrection. He left us the example of going to the cross for us. Jesus didn't resist. He had the power to. He had angels in, right there that he could have called down. He didn't fight. He endured the abuse that was heaped on him. He didn't defend himself, even when he, he knew he was just and right. He let the unjust punishment have his way in his life because this was his sacrifice for us. But it also is the way that he intends for us to walk. And as we seek to follow Jesus with our lives, this is the way that he is giving us not only in word, but in example as well. And I believe it's one of the hardest ways for us to live. This idea of meekness is one of the hardest ways to live. It's not like we all like violence or necessarily want to pay people back. But as a general rule, humans love justice, right? We love justice. We love when the bad guy gets his, his reward for the bad deeds that he does. Or or maybe if we don't like justice, we we don't really like injustice, especially... When it's directed at us. Amen. We can say amen to that. I don't like injustice directed at me. We don't like it when, it's, when wrong is done without any repercussions. When people get away with the things that are, are not right and aren't good. We don't really, as a general rule, we don't really stand for injustice. All throughout history, human history, we love people and stories that have, uh, and we love the ones who are doing good who are the ones who face opposition, who do good in the, in the face of the wrong thing or do the right thing. We want them to actually like, we want the good guy to win, don't we? We really do. We, we don't like it when the bad guy wins or when the evil one wins. And in fact, if we watch a movie or, or read a story where the evil person wins, it just doesn't sit well with us. We're like, oh man, really? But that even though that's the case sometimes in life, it just doesn't sit well well with us. And it never has. Never has for humanity. That is why rules were created to begin with. Right? One of the first human codes of conduct that was set out for us, or, or for us as humanity, was created, was called Hammurabi's Code. And I know, like, if you're homeschooled, you know this, right? Like, if you're homeschooled, you know this. Hammurabi's Code. It was some... I was actually going to say it was approximately 280 rules, but since there are kids in here who homeschool, there's 282 is what it. Okay, so maybe close to 300. This one said specifically 282 when I looked it up this morning. So there was 282 rules that governed over personal life, but not only personal life. It also governed over social conduct, the way that we do business, the way that we interact with one another, these laws were sought, they sought them out to be just and fair. They wanted them to be just and fair so that all humans who desired interact with each other can do so in a decent manner, right? So this idea of eye for an eye, tooth from a tooth. Yes, it's from the old Testament, but um, it's also from Hammurabi's code. And it is, it, both the old testament and hammurabi's code were highly developed codes for us to live by to help govern us right the, the idea of government coming in and these laws set limits on boundaries what we can do and what we can't do right but with the intent of setting up justice and fairness to help our societies live in a in an agreeable way and as long as everybody uh, agrees to live by these and even with the punishments that are inflicted, it usually goes well, right? So Because if we live by justice, it's going to go well. But in seeking for justice or fairness, this idea of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it's an attempt at justice. It doesn't go beyond. It's not saying um, if someone punches you in the eye, then you get to shoot them. That's not what it's saying. It's not, it's not saying that. If someone... Um, It doesn't go beyond justice. It's an attempt to go, look, if someone took your eye, then you give that eye. If someone took your horse, you give them the horse. These laws are an attempt at giving everybody the same opportunity just to live and to interact in uh, culture and society. Every culture that um, has been established since that time has their own set of laws. So every country has their own set of laws. For us in the United States, it's the Constitution And how the courts uh, interpret those laws as well. And in Jesus' day and time, it would have been the Roman rule of checks and balances. There would have been this idea where they, they couldn't just do what they want. There was checks and balances. But then also where Jesus lived, they would have had the Old Testament law, right? So one of these laws was enforced by Rome and the Roman government. Then the other law was enforced by temple culture and the way that... Now, uh, uh, Jews practice Judaism, practiced their religion. And yet Jesus is laying out for us a way that is above any other way. Take the most just laws that ever were. And Jesus is showing us his law is above all these laws. The way of Jesus in his kingdom. It's not equality or fairness. It's really not. The way of Jesus is the way of grace. That is The very idea of grace is undeserved favor and forgiveness. We find this idea of eye for an eye where he says that you've heard it said. In scriptures, it would have been found in Deuteronomy 19.21. So the full verse there says this. It says, you shall not pity. You shall not pity. It shall be in life for life, Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So in Deuteronomy, it says in the law, there's no pity. Don't feel sorry for the one who is owed the penalty. That's what it's asking of us here. This misfortune that they are suffering is brought about because of their wrong interaction with the law. And this is the justice that is paid towards them. And it seems that Jesus... He's not reversing this, but it seems like he's putting a caveat on it, elevating it once again. Jesus is saying that meekness, this idea of meekness, is a better way to walk. He's saying that grace is better than punishment, and forgiveness is a great gift. One commentator said that Jesus reveals that grace, love, and forgiveness can reverse the dangers of retribution. And even more, create an alternate society. And isn't that what Jesus is trying to do? Create a new kingdom where he is king and we follow him in his image and his likeness and in his ways? That's what Jesus is asking of his followers. He's saying, trust that God is just. He sees, he knows, he cares. And that justice that God has belongs in his hands, not ours. We don't get to harden, as followers of Jesus, we don't get to harden our hearts towards our enemy and those who persecute us. We get to love them and serve them and forgive them in hopes that our lack of resistance towards them will show them that we believe in another way. It'll prove it with our lives. And we invite them, even as we're resisting them, we're inviting them into the way that Jesus has for us. Amen. Justice is God's business. Ours as followers of this, God is to love one another through our actions, not just our actions, but also our reactions. This, the hard truth of this is, is that we get to be humiliated. We get to be exposed. We get to be insulted. And all the while we get to be generous on top of this. And it's hard word, but again, I appeal to the life of Jesus that he lived. This is not, uh, is this not what he did for you and me? Generous beyond anything else. The actions here that are taken against us are actually very significant actions, right? I I think that sometimes this idea, like if someone slaps you, it's like a comical thing, but it's not comedy at all. Not only, as we are slapped, not only do we not slap back, we turn the other cheek. A slap in in any culture, really, is an insult to your honor. It's an insult to who you are. It's saying, I don't even like you or respect you, right? And this, uh, in this uh, when we get to show our enemies who persecute us that we love them by not fighting back as our our reputation is, and our honor is um, being damaged, we get to turn and let them not only slap us in the face, but backhand us as well. That's what we get to do. When we give our lives to Jesus, our honor, our reputation, it, it transfers from belonging to us to belonging to him. It is no longer our business what others think about us, rather how they think and feel about Jesus that's who we're trying to display our honor doesn't need to be defended it doesn't need to be treasured to the point of fighting for it we can let jesus defend the honor that we now find up find wrapped up in his honor this is what it means to be hidden in christ then we have this idea of suing and we know all about suing in this culture but it says this if anyone would sue you and take your tunic let him have your cloak as well so being Uh, being sued in this case especially for your clothes what does it do it leaves us naked and vulnerable it exposes us it shows the whole world what we're all about it finds our flaws and everything and in this as we walk with jesus we're not to be ashamed we're not to counter sue instead we give with generosity oh you wanted this from me okay well here here's this too you can have this it's a hard hard way to live again not defending ourselves not demanding justice but trusting that God will give justice once and for all we are letting the one who sues us feel honored in our place we don't have our own back with Jesus or our own shirt or our own clothes Jesus has got that he's going to take care of us in that And if he takes care of the lilies of the field, how much more does he care for us? In this, when we're praying in the Psalms, we can really believe that Jesus is our strength. He's our shield. He's the lifter of our head and the provider, not only for our clothes, but you know what? The beautiful thing is, is that Jesus sees us just as we are. Jesus sees us just as we are. We're naked and exposed before him. He knows all our flaws and all our weaknesses. And he still sets a banner over us that says love. I love this person. I love these people. I love this flawed human being. And Jesus chooses to give, get, clothe us with his grace and his forgiveness for all of our shortcomings. Amen. We don't need to be ashamed for the areas where we don't measure up. Because Jesus knew that we wouldn't. And when others point it out, we can agree with them and point them to Jesus, knowing that he takes care of this for us. It's a beautiful thing. And then we have, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. This is flat out humiliation. That's what this is. Is someone forcing you? Then we don't resist. In turn, we give dignity to our enemies. We go the extra mile or we go out of our way or out of our means to bless those who persecute us. We still get to serve and allow for the humiliation because instead of humiliation, we get to consider it an honor to serve this person. Because in that, Jesus is using us to honor this person. And I know that this is a hard word. And Jesus knows this too, but he still gives us. And in that, we don't harden our hearts or do this in a begrudging manner. We can, we can see the injustice and still serve as Jesus would have us and walk the extra mile. Who knows what this witness will show others? Who knows what this is? This is, I believe, true strength not in fighting back or using the sword to fight the sword, but actually willing to walk that extra mile with joy towards others. And as we live out Jesus' word as truth in our lives, our actions may be what puts someone over the top to believe in him as well. That's what we want, isn't it? We want others to believe in Jesus. Let, let the fame that Jesus has in our hearts reign in other people's lives as well. There will always be people who scop, scoff at us and think we're ridiculous for not fighting back. That's a promise, and that's okay. But God's grace will be on us in those moments to continue to do these things. The last action Jesus gives us in this section is, give to the one who begs from you, and, not, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. This shows us that even though we resist evil and, and fight in the way of meekness that Jesus has for us, it's not passivity. It's not sitting there letting you do, just taking it. It's active generosity is what we're doing. It's actually harder. It's a harder activity to be about than fighting. We don't resist. We give. We get to be generous in the way that we live our lives. And by this, this verse and what Jesus is suggesting, doesn't mean, it means this, that we don't get to determine what that beggar is going to do with that money. How they will spend it on what they will spend it on—that's not our business. You know what it is generosity. Generosity is. Scott McKnight says this. He says, "Do not uh, do not resist." Could be translated, "Be ready for an act of grace." Are we ready for an act of grace to give that as God has given us to do? We get to prepare our hearts in this way to follow Jesus. We don't use violence to resist evil. Amen? That's not how we do it. You know what we use? Generosity. Generosity with our mind, with our words, with our actions, with our money. This is the radical way that Jesus has for us. And by the way, just in case we're not sure, well, these are the words of Jesus. We don't know how to interpret it. Paul gives us in Romans 12, 21, he says this, do not overcome evil with evil, but evil with evil good. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way it's pointing us towards that we get to walk in this radical way of Jesus that he is showing us that not only do we not get to get retribution or personal justice, we don't even get to resist. I love the idea of Dietrich Bonhoeffer saying this, who, by the way, he was killed by the Nazis. Now, granted, he did resist in certain ways, but at the same time uh, at the same time, this is what he wrote, and it, it, it's a good comment on this verse as, a, as we look at it today. It says, "Evil will become powerless when it finds no one opposing it. No resistance, but instead is willing to bore the uh, pain and suffering. Evil mean, meets an opponent for which it is not matched." And in this, grace is no match for evil. Grace is so much greater. Forgiveness is so much greater. The ways of Jesus is so much greater. An opponent that evil cannot overcome is the grace and forgiveness that Jesus gives to you and I and we get to give to this world. Remember, this comes from Deuteronomy 1921 and it starts, It shall be life for life. This is exactly what Jesus did for you and me, isn't it? This is his life for ours so that we might live for him and in his ways. Jesus offered far more than his cheek. He offered his other cheek as the guards punched him in the face saying, who is it that hit you, Jesus? Who is it that hit you? He offered his back to be flogged. He offered his very life, right? Hand for hand, foot for foot. Did he not offer his hands and his feet for us? as they were pierced by nails. His forehead for us, as they shoved a crown of thorns on it. By the way, this is not weakness. This is a display of meekness and it's a greater power that Jesus gives us as his followers. And even in this, Jesus offered his very tunic even more. As they cast lots for his tunic while Jesus hung on the cross, you know what he did? Forgive them for they know not what they do. He was showing us his way. They, they, they were committing sin against Jesus, and Jesus, even as they were committing that sin, forgave them. Jesus even wanted, even in this, wanted life for his gamblers, not this sin. He was offering more with his life. Jesus may not have been sued in the way that it's talking about here, but he was unjustly tried, and he didn't defend himself. And instead, he offered it all up. All that they asked of him and then more. Even the things that they didn't even realize that Jesus was carrying. Jesus, not only did he walk the mile, he carried his own cross. Not all the way, right? He got help along the way. But he was willing to go this far for you and me. He showed us what it means to walk the extra mile and then some. He went to the cross. He endured all this because he knew what the cost was to make us whole. He knew what it meant to make us whole. Now, Jesus didn't come to get rid of this law, eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. He came to fulfill it. His life for ours. His eyes for our new sight to see who God really is. His teeth so that we could taste the goodness of God. His hands laid out for us, pierced and hung on a cross, and his feet were nailed there so that we might walk with him from now until forevermore. He paid our price, amen. He fulfilled the law of justice with his grace. And now, when we beg, we beg, don't we? God, we need you. He gives us his grace and forgiveness, and he gives it to us freely. One story I read while I was studying for this verses, these verses, kind of paints this in a, in a really beautiful light. So there was this guy named Jared. He was, a, he was an art student, and he was a little bit absent-minded and aloof, as you imagine artists to be, right, in, in our kind of stereotypical idea. And he was walking across an overpassed bridge one day, and he was meditating on this very scripture and this very idea, thinking about people who had come before him. And he was baffled by what Jesus was saying. He was like, what the heck? So I can't even really defend myself? And while he was kind of in this dream state or la-la land, he heard someone talking about money, but then he quickly realized that it was a big guy walking right at him that was saying, give me all your money. And he was just, his muscles were huge and he was ripped. And Jared uh, paints a picture that he was just this scrawny little art student, poor. And he, he figured that the guy would have been better off robbing somebody other than a poor art student. <laughs> and he, he, but he quickly, he got out his wallet and he, all he had in there was 10 bucks or so, but he got it. And as he went to give the money, he stretched out his hand to this man to shake the hand of the mugger. And then he said, hi, my name's Jared. The mugger stopped. And he was, and now he was the one who was baffled. And he shook Jared's hand and he said, James. And Jared said, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm Jared. And the mugger went on to say, no, no, my name is James. Jared was able to talk with his attacker, and he learned that James was homeless, and he had been abandoned by his parents, and he was on drugs, and he was just stealing money so that he can go get high. He could, t- he could tell that the guy was smelly, in need of a shower. His clothes were ratted and tatted, and, and he just knew that this guy was in hard luck And instead of not only giving the guy money and introducing himself, Jared said, Hey, James, why don't you come back to my house while you shower? I'll make you some, I'll make you some, uh, I'll make you some food and you can get, and we'll get you a change of clothes. And as Jared was inviting James over, James partner showed up. It was a woman who began shouting, we gotta go. We gotta go. They're coming. And in that moment, Jared pulled the Bible out and he wrote his phone number in there and he reiterated his invitation. He said, hey, just give me a call. And James said, what do I need a Bible for? I'm going to hell anyway. To which Jared replied, James, we're all going to hell. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came to forgive us. And at this comment, James started crying. Like on this overpass, as he was mugging this guy, ugly crying, saying thank you to Jared, giving him a hug, probably still kept his 10 bucks. But in a moment, James gained his composure and went running off. And his partner was saying, hey, I got this, that, and the other. And James was running with his Bible saying, I got a Bible, I got a Bible. Here's my regret in telling that story, that it's not my story. It's not my story. I think mine would be more like this guy came up and I just said, uh, in, I, there's kids here, but what I said to him was, this is not going to happen. And I probably would have gotten beat up because I, I would have been running my mouth. It's not my story. This is, this is Jared's story. It's not what I would have done. I, I, um, I, and it, it goes to remind me that as we walk with Jesus, I still got a long way to go. Amen? I still got a lot of grace to let penetrate into my life and my heart. And I believe that we all do. Some of us may have do that. Some of us may do what Jared did in that situation. And not only that, in this situation with Jared, it turned out great. There are other times when the guy said, t- you know, pull out your hand and the guy will stab him with a knife. That happens too. That like, let's just be real. It's not all peaches and roses. And this story turned out great, but it doesn't always turn out great. And we know that. And that's why we protect ourselves. But, we get to turn our hearts towards Jesus so that we may be more like him. This, this world, you know what kind of justice it needs? It needs the justice that comes from grace that Jesus offers. That's what this world needs. And so for us, I pray that we may be able to offer this kind of grace, that we may be able to hear these hard words from Jesus, learn from them, and give grace and forgive one another as he has forgived us. So Jesus, I come before you and Lord, we do beg for grace and forgiveness and we thank you that you give it to us freely. Please let us think in these ways, believe in these ways and live out these ways, Lord. It's extremely difficult, Lord. We want to defend ourselves. We want justice for ourselves and for our fellow human beings, especially those that we love. But Lord, we know that you paid the price for justice. I pray that we may leave justice in your hands and walk in the ways that you have for us here now. In Jesus' name, amen.